0: I had a whole semester of how to do presentation as a curriculum, like design course. It was like a basic skill you have to learn. But I talk about that in uh, Japanese designers. And They never learned something like that in, in their design school. So that's like one of the big differences. They learn a lot about craft and design as a craft, but not as like design as a work, I guess. So that's a kind of, kind of basic. Difference between Japan and the rest of the world, I think. Hi, I'm Yasisa. I'm a freelance designer, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G U double T.
1: Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of Gut Talks, double G U double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design, and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist and venture builder running Gut, WGU T, a design and innovation hub. I'm releasing 30 episodes per season, so now after 30 episodes and 35 guests, we're starting the countdown again from scratch with season number two. And I invite you to check season one's episodes as the content and guests are awesome. Well, I'll let you judge on that one yourself, but I believe there's lots of valuable information and conversations out there. Our guest today is Yashu-san. Can I say that? (laughs) Oh, that's
0: nice. All right. (laughs) Thank you.
1: (laughs) And he's a freelance design strategist based out of Tokyo, Japan. He works closely with clients on a long-term basis to improve their design processes and build digital products and experiences. He's an author, public speaker, and actively involved in Japanese design communities. And he's also a fellow podcaster, Automagic, but Mm. it's in Japanese, right? So I invite everyone to... Or not to (laughs) listen. Not to, yes. (laughs) Yeah, if you speak Japanese, please uh, listen to that. So Yasu, thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. How are you?
0: Pretty good. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Cool. My pleasure. And yeah, can you tell us who's Yasu, by the way? And I just want to highlight here that we had some other Gut Talks episodes like number 24, 25 with Adam Lawrence and some others like number five with Luis Arnal. And another one with Marcus Klar. So we had some podcasts talking about design, experience design to service design, and the experience economy, episode 26 with Joe Pine. Mm. And I think that these episodes could be of interest to the listeners as well with this one to have a more global picture. So we're going to be talking about the way you think, your mindset and so on, and the difference that you've observed between the Japanese market and overseas and the u.s particularly where you've lived as well so yeah yeah yeah. who's Yasu?
0: so i lived in united states for about nine years through high school to college and just a little bit of design i worked in a design agency about a year and a half then went back to japan so i have kind of basic understanding what is going on in the united states design industry and then what's happening in Japan. And I also have been in a close relationship with the designers in the United States and some of England. So I kind of know basic things and what is going on in Japan and overseas. But not huge difference, I think, in Japan and the rest of the world. I think the role and the responsibility of designers are very different. Different means pretty small, very narrow area of design is responsible. So... When we learn something about UX design or service design, which it's been around 10 or more years, 10 plus years in Japan, but even that much of history behind it, we still have very limited responsibility in terms of design, like capital D design, basically. So that's like huge difference. Then also, I think we are a little bit behind on how to negotiate to stakeholders and talk about business and talk design without saying design, I guess. I think presentation skills are very, very lacking. I think something that I learned, I was in the United States uh, during the college years, I had a whole semester of how to do presentation as a curriculum, like design course. It was like a basic skill you have to learn. But I talk about that in... Uh, Japanese designers, and they never learned something like that in, in their design school. So that's like one of the big differences. They learn a lot about craft and design as a craft, but not as like design as a work, I guess. So that's the kind of, kind of basic difference between Japan and the rest of the world, I think.
1: You're starting off by hitting on a huge topic, actually, which is the language around design and the culture within organizations and designers, young designers, because I think myself also, when I was at Mm. university, right, Mm. I didn't have a course on how to present or how to talk about Mm. design. And it's something you learn over the years, because there's a difference between presenting a project that you have, but also pitching for a project, which is completely different. And why? Exactly. Yeah, why can design help you? How can design help you? And have you observed though, because you've been working for a number of years in Japan right yeah. now, have have you right. observed if you want sort of an evolution of that from when you started until now?
0: there, there are a lot of improvements in the design field, especially in internal UX. I think the government is also pushing like design thinking and UX design a lot more throughout the years. So I think atmosphere. Basically, atmosphere is changing, definitely. But the problem is, I think it goes to the same for other countries too, I'm, I'm sure. Everyone says design, but design, you have to change the cultures. You have to change maybe a structural organization. And you have to change the responsibility. But they're just implementing the way of UX design, basically. You know, just do some basic user research making persona and journey map burn your ux designers you know the answer is no so just riding a bike doesn't mean you can get too far you have to train yourself maybe you have to change your way of eating food you know things like that you have to change the way you live so that you can go long distance same for the ux design too you you can learn about the stuff but You have to change the way that the organization works. It won't go too far. So that's something that I'm start having a problem with. That's why I was kind of trying to negotiate with my clients and to make a kind of longer commitment, like half year or maybe a year or multiple years so that I can gradually change the way of organization and trying to make effect so that they can make smarter decision based on design thinking or service design or things like that things are changing but there's still something to work on
1: so what you're saying is interesting because you work with companies or you get in long-term engagements yeah because this is how you believe you can make a change and this is when you work on projects rather than just specific just workshops or right. trainings or whatever and you've worked yeah. with large organizations in japan who are quite successful also you know you have high tech in japan and big big companies how do you gain their trust
0: now, to, uh, that so i've been making content almost 20 years now so i was the first blogger i was one of the first blogger in japan and my name was on wikipedia and uh, podcast section well only in Japanese so I, I was like trying to do a lot of stuff very early on and making content and giving a value to a lot of people I, I hope and I've been doing like hundreds of speaking and seminars and you know basically I'm just trying to give back community what I know and what I've experienced so throughout the years someone called me up on some job you know I, I saw your presentation a few years ago and then I was inspired and things like that. So I haven't done anything that, you know, hardcore sales pitch or sales activities, but I've been doing a lot of content creations throughout years. And they're not necessarily trusting me, but they are willing to bet on me so that we can make difference together. So huge thanks for those people who asked me to work with me. That's how I get a job most of the time throughout mm-hmm. the content creations.
1: And you're still creating content and you're still building communities, right? Yeah.
0: It's not like community. I don't have any Slack channel or anything mm-hmm. like Discord or anything like that. I'm not really good at community management, I guess, but I'm very active on social media so I can have a conversation whenever possible. So I don't have any solid communities, but I have few people I can talk or I have channels to communicate to people.
1: Yeah. So not in a formal way, but... Uh, Right, But you still get the uh, other value and so on. Okay. And what are the major challenges you found in those, if you want, large organizations when it comes to design and the language around it? Maybe two completely different ones because you worked with high-tech companies.
0: My theory is Japanese as a language is a super high-context language. We don't require to have a subject to communicate, basically. So we have very, very high-context conversations. And that leads to a lot of business talk or even design talk tends to be feeling, basically. So you can feel each other, read the context without saying anything, but they can communicate well. And that's kind of, in a way, it is very, very beautiful. But in a business context, that's kind of not a great idea. It's, It's hard to scale in that way. And that leads to like, very, very resonating strongly in the design community. It is about feeling, even though it is solving problem, but design is about feeling very artistic. So it has a lot of high context within those designs. And as a result, I think we don't have, I think a lot of designers are not really great at explaining design. They can describe design. You know, this is why I thought it is a good idea to use blue, for example. But what's the business impact? Why you did this way? And what's the landscape of the industries you're trying to solve? You're not really good at talking about that. So I think one of the major thing that I found, big or small, it doesn't really matter. So designers are not really great at articulating your ideas and negotiating the pitch and the design to non-designers because they used to do everything Based on feeling, basically. Even though, in context of UX design, we say about you know design must be solving uh, people's problems or answering users' needs or things like that. But there are not many people are documenting design <laughs> and articulating or uh, critiquing uh, design based on those documents or things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that's something that I have been trying to do within the company. So they haven't write anything before. Mm-hmm. So I train them to write document first or do uh, some critique sessions based on that document or things like that. So yeah, it's been pretty, I think in some countries, that's a kind of basic skill in design, but I think that's something that lacking. Uh, that's something that I've been working on. In most of the companies, basically,
1: yeah. Okay, and and the reason why I put the goal now because it's you touched on during this section here, mm-hmm. you spoke about emotions, feelings, gut feelings in a certain right. way, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to say is, are you trying to push back a little bit on gut feelings or emotions?
0: I think it comes to the balance in some day. But I think... From my perspective, I think we're pushing a little too much towards the feeling. And that's really hard to scale. Because especially in the companies in Europe and in the United States and even China too. Right now, designers are the organizations trying to scale design. And that rapid spill and growth, if you want to compete with those companies or putting some value as a designers, you have to be in the member of scalable organizations. But if you're just saying everything the gut feeling or, you know, something unexplainable stuff, you can't be in an organization where you can't really even compete in design industry, I guess. You know, like language barriers probably going to collapse in within 10 or 20 years. So you have to compete everyone in the world, basically. If that happens, if you're just talking about just gut feeling and you can articulate your design, that's probably not a good employee to hire. That's not really a good place to be. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, that feeling is as designers, we do, or we tend to have this initial feeling or testing our assumptions as well in a certain way, but then we need to validate them, right? We can't just Mm -hmm. count on that and then say, that's the way it is. There's a lot of, if you just follow your assumptions, then you might lack empathy too, which is one of the key elements. So there is something here that's making me think because we know design for me from Whenever I was doing design, that was lacking the why Mm. until I was like, okay, there is more to this, but in any case, there is an underlying, or at least there should be an underlying why in whatever you do in design, but it's always about the journey and the process. Mm. What's your take on that? Because you alluded to it indirectly that it's not just doing this or using this tool and saying, It's just like your uh, metaphor of the bike, right? Riding a bike. It's about the journey to get there and to achieve something. What's your take on it?
0: I completely agree with that perspective. It's just everything about the journey and asking why in every step possible. I think the way I work right now is continuation of asking why. Why we are who we are basically as a designer. As I keep asking those questions, it is not just about the lack of skill in designers, basically. I think designers in Japan are like highly, highly skilled people and they're probably marketable in the world and probably like one of the top-notch people, even they said he or she is average. But right now, I think they're not asking why enough and they're not articulating their design enough so that... They can't really present themselves as a great designer, even though they're great. So like my work is like why they can't do that, even though they're super skilled people. And that probably leads to culture, that leads to organization, that leads to maybe sectionalism within the companies or maybe a politics, a lot of things. Like it's kind of like I'm trying to design or trying to figure out what is the system of the Decision making, basically, within the organization. I think it's not the linear. It's a lot of things are interconnected to each others, and so the reason why I'm staying with the company is like multiple years is I'm trying to find the elements of those system so that I can find the weakest link between designers and maybe stakeholders between uh, like skill set. And education, maybe, or how they pay a salary, even. So I think trying to design the system rather than just trying to design the product. I think that's one like main mission of what I do, and that's something that I kind of find out throughout the years, asking why, in the context of like what I do, and like starting with like a building websites and why why they they like this. Well, why they think it's easy to use, why they say this is a good idea rather than the other ones and, and asking why and just trying to ask, like, ask why multiple times is a probably an important part. I think asking why just one time doesn't go too far. Too far. Right? It just fits surface level. I think multiple times is a probably very, very important part and just use that power to kind of adjust the way you work maybe just change the way you make a design or maybe change the way you talk a little bit or things like that I think that according to the answer you got a hypothesis you got you adjust that the way you work and it'll be repeating that repeating the process I, I think that'll make it better designers no matter what field you're in
1: yeah yeah I agree and when we had our previous conversation just before that we agreed on the, mm-hmm. the why because the purpose behind what you're doing too. And the challenge is, from my understanding, what you're saying is you're trying to get involved at all levels of an organization. So you go to the top and to the bottom and to the middle, right? Yeah. And if you can get that question kind of answered through multiple whys in a certain way, then you can get to a level of understanding or at least I would say Common ground, maybe, right. to start yeah. making change. Is that how you do yeah. it? And- yeah,
0: that's so- something that I, like one example would be like, I, one of my clients asked me to make a design system. And I went there, but I found out they don't document design, like I talked about today. And they never really articulate design. And when they do critique, it was everything about the art director's feeling or things like that. So my first assessment was just, you know, let's document stuff first, and let's see what happens, and things like that. So clients asked me to do a certain artifact, but I'm fortunate enough to have time to investigate why they want to ask me to make something like that. So according to that answer, I think I'll just kind of adjust my contract, I guess, the way I work, and just to do the stuff according to how they respond to their artifacts every time
1: ad break no not an ad but as you may have noticed this show has no sponsors but you can still support gut talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player and like share and follow the social media channels of gut W G U W T. all links are in the show notes now let's get going can you expand on what a design system is for people who don't know exactly? Just uh, simply? Design
0: system is a very sticky term. I just some people call design system just about UI library, basically collection of buttons and typography and some menu bars and things like that. So it's a set of tools that make design process quicker and more consistent matters. That's the basic thing. I think... My understanding with design system is how you design, like document or materialize how you design. So like why you put list view instead of grid view in particular situations, why is that? Because dot, dot, dot. That's something that you have to probably kind of go deep into this that level of articulation when you make a design system. So most of the time, they people assume they just wanted to have collection of stuff, collection of buttons, collection of form elements or things like that. So no, that's not it. Um, you have to know why you have to use particular components. Then a lot of time, people kind of freeze because they don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to have a conversations or have some sessions so that they can kind of start articulating their thinking. I think a lot of time. Designers have skill to articulate, but they don't have opportunity to speak up or opportunity to make documentation or things like that. So a lot of time, I just gave them opportunities through some workshop or through some activities I do. And then kind of they start understanding why you're doing the way they do. And mm-hmm. that's a, probably the first step you have to when you wanted to make a design system.
1: So you're working in-house to improve in-house yes. systems and processes and to get designers to speak up somehow too yeah. and to be able to or to give them this kind of confidence and voice to go ahead and apply what they know they could and should apply even if the top level management might not be very familiar with. So your role is through workshops and stuff, take on these big projects and try to make change within the organization. And then they work on their external or projects in another way in the way they want, because you would have helped set up a baseline in a certain way.
0: Yeah, exactly. It just gives them tools or opportunity to do more active role in design. It's kind of lacking. I think it's not just about Japanese industry and just like designers as a whole I think I think designers are tend to be passive people
1: mm-hmm.
0: like clients are asked to do something or uh, stakeholders are asked to do something and that's a kind of very very passive way to involve I guess but in fact I think designers have to be more active like they yeah. have to ask stakeholders the questions uh, you have to ask yourself more questions and you have to probably come up with the work,
1: yeah. not design just, your yeah, yeah,
0: design brief or things like that, probably do some extra investigation on how mm-hmm. things works within the project or things like that. But I think a lot of designers are, tends to be, you know, they ask X, Y, and Z tasks. So I do, I execute those tasks brilliantly. That's a great skill too, but I think we have to be a little bit more than that.
1: You're touching on very sensitive, interesting topics because you're saying this is how you can scale the design. And this is where the trend is going to like organizations talk about design in-house and design at all levels of an organization. And design is slowly, slowly getting embedded in some organizations where the word design would disappear at some point, just like the word digital should disappear because I mean, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's all there anyway, but Again, it's not there everywhere. Not you're talking about Japan, but even in Europe, elsewhere, it's not there yet. But some Europe. have achieved that and some are on the way. Exactly. And it takes time for sure to change the culture and so on. But what's intriguing for me is that Japan is at another level or scale, or even with the mindset, because Japan has always been this high tech country with great products, quality mm-hmm. products as well and when i say product it's a service it's a product so even though it may seem that yes the japanese culture and you correct me if i'm wrong because but is like if you want self centered in that way but it the products and the creations are universal mm. in a sense too so how can you explain and how can you see you know japan staying where it is or where it was if this mindset mm. you're trying to adopt does not i'm not saying not gonna take off or anything like that but you get my point
0: <laughs> yes yeah, yeah how to keep uh,
1: this uh, excellence going because if it's already working why would they change
0: personally i i think it's not working anymore like what's okay. the best digital product in the world right now i probably you are not going to mention any japanese right now probably samsung yeah. or some apple or you know you know something Besides probably Japanese products. I think like 20 years ago,
1: yeah. all the it, electrics just...
0: are dominated by Japanese though, but not yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> I just, yeah, when I say something here is that Japan managed to create this brand around the world and the country Japan when it comes to such products.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: So how to keep that? What do you think is needed? And like, is it also the adoption from the stakeholders within those companies you're working with and the external communities?
0: That's a tough question, but, but uh, (laughs) I think I can, I cannot talk like design as a whole, because I, my knowledge of design is very, very narrow, like UI, some app design and, you know, things like that. So it's very narrow, but in that narrow view of design, I think we are still feature driven, I guess it's not design driven. Like we, invented this technology let's use this as a product you know that kind of thing so i think a lot of japanese products are very high quality probably that means a lot of stuff are like feature driven or hard to break that's another one, good one too so <laughs> hardware wise it's very very sophisticated and it's very advanced but it's not gelled well enough to software and hardware i guess there's a divide those divide is affected by organizations, like some heavy sectionalism that's happening within the organization. That's that's why like hardware's and software's are totally separated. So experience as a whole is kind of a little bit dizzy, I guess. It's not really gelled very well. So I think a lot of long time ago, like 20 years ago, I think those individual stuff, of it's okay to be separated. It's okay to separate it between hardware and software. But right now, Even software and hardware has to be together, but also the service has to be together too, like cloud service or some subscription service or some offline service has to be integrated with the service hardware and software. But unfortunately, a lot of Japanese companies, like a lot of sectionalism happening, like each sections are competing each other and not communicating very well. And that has to change. So then we can probably do something wonderful in that scope. But right now it's very, very difficult. Now, a lot of companies are trying to change their situations, making a new companies within the company or do some incubation project or things like that. So, so they're trying different way to mm-hmm. how to do that kind of ecosystem, how to create those ecosystem within companies. But again, it's just a lot of Things that like some old cultures, old way of thinking, or old way of view um, design, or think you know, a lot of things are the reason of this. But just a slow process, but it's moving forward at least.
1: It's slow because of resistance. Yeah, yes,
0: so. mm-hmm. uh, from resistance and then also cultural things, Like I said, like mm-hmm. Japanese language is tends to be very high context. The reason is problem is like let's say we have a conversation with him in the meeting. And I talk about stuff, but that's not the true feeling or true thing. I talk about it like outside of the meeting and probably just between dinners. And I, I finally talk about the real stuff or things like that. It's just a lot of context is happening inside the company and outside of companies or during the meeting when i outside the meeting or things. It's just too cumbersome to me, <laughs> but that's I think those context like high context culture and consensus cultures like nobody making a decision basically Mm -hmm. nobody taking responsibilities or things like that that kind of leads to the way we work or the way we think and the way we view designers as a very very limited role and Mm -hmm. that's like a lot of things mixed together i think I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm saying like a lot of bad things about Japan, but I, I love Japan and there are a lot of good quality in Japan. But just in this context, it's just a lot of things to
1: consider. I think consider. this is, yeah, not only in Japan, but I think because you've seen it and you think that this can change and yes. you're seeing it slower than it should be, maybe, or slower than what you believe it should be. But is there a project you worked on where you believe that you actually should have done it differently yourself?
0: Well, like I'm getting old and I, I think I feel like I'm becoming wiser, taking more time. Like when I was young, I think I wanted to make a result within that like three months period. And I was very probably narrow minded. And and I guess it was naive too. Like if I do X, Y, and Z and I work, if I work very hard, things will change. That's very naive way of thinking. But young, it's okay, I guess. But I think culture and people's mind or organization takes time to change. So I never feel it's taking, like, especially kind of like last like five years or so, I never felt it's taking too long or too slow or anything. It just takes time. And If I look back a year ago and things are changing in the right directions, which is most of the time they are, and I feel pretty good and I can probably go in for another year or two.
1: That's what makes you stay, which is, so it's impact, like you measure the impact you're making to stay.
0: Yeah, probably you too. It's kind of hard to make portfolio. Yeah. because like well, I don't do any hardcore UI design or, you know, I made this app or anything like that. So I'm trying to keep my activity in my air table. You know, like this is some artifact I made and I made certain impact, that impact mm-hmm. is you know, X, Y, Z, or things like that. I'm trying to kind of keep track of what I do. So that like whenever I get a new project and it's very, very difficult to explain what I do. You know, I I say designer or strategist or whatever, but it doesn't mean anything for most people, including me. So I have to kind of make actual stuff. To present my uh, potential clients on what I
1: do. It's a label. When you're asking me, what do you do? And I told you, I don't know where to start because it yeah, depends. Because I know it. it depends who you're talking to, I guess, as well. True, when you true, feel yeah. you, you can explain something in a basic way, you can do it. But it is difficult because you can't put yourself in a specific silo, which is difficult. And what's your favorite Japanese product? Even if you had one in the past, too, it's like this one you would. Never not use it or get rid of. Mm. I think all
0: my electrics are from like overseas now. So it's not really.
1: Really? Mm. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like Apple is there, and, like some old, old hardware is like, there it is. Like, but I think like some stuff like this, they go pens and highlighters and like they are like infinite number of pencils in Japan, for example. These. Little things are like Muji is definitely a great example too. Uh, like Muji's Mugi, yeah. got like notebook and you know some rulers and things like that. They got like variety of stuff. I think these are like wonderful Japanese products. and that's all oh, it's also like well designed Japanese products too. So yeah, that's that's something that I glad to be in Japan, I guess. Like if you go to some cities and you get like hundreds of hundreds of like pens basically. choose from so it's pretty amazing to uh place to visit too if you come to japan
1: i will go there okay what we quite said in this podcast is very intangible in a certain way Mm -hmm. and might be difficult for some people to relate to because we know because we see how organizations work because we've been inside and tried to work on their systems and so on but for people who don't know and and I'll give a basic example and actually in episode 30 with Gianluca Brunioli, we touched a little bit on that on how you know telcos and this kind of companies work and I just had a super bad experience with the telco company like it took over a month and for me I get frustrated, not upset, because I know that it's something within the system Mm. that is not working and the communication within the company. And we tend to forget that who's doing that. It's just, we're humans. So mistakes can happen. But if the system doesn't support, then the issue is that it's not the human mistake. And you were talking about automation and so on. Lots of things can be automated, but are not because many people would lose their jobs. But at the same time, it's because between you know regulations and this department doesn't want to talk to this department and someone wants to make a commission and you know you alluded to to that as well you know the competition between departments and it happens I guess this is the pain point and how to overcome that to make the best Mm -hmm. experience for everyone rather than having 25 phone calls going 10 times to the shop and no one will be satisfied about this and it goes back to what you were saying about just basic user interface
0: Right. I think like that way you express yourself as frustrated rather than just getting mad or getting angry. That's a great expression. I think I'll get frustrated too, not getting angry at the customer service or, you know, people on the other side. I think a lot of times is they can't help you help me because of how they are evaluated based on how they perform. The performance is expected to be a certain way, which is not that we expect, but, you know, things like that. It's just, there you are know, a lot of invisible, hard to see system from outside. Those has to change first before I uh, changing the interface. You know, let, let's say like we make some great UI for customer service, let's say. And maybe we could, like a lot of designers, be able to make something beautiful, something easy to use, something intuitive or things like that. But as long as evaluation system or how people are being paid, things won't change very much. It's just a pretty things being covered in actual problems. So I think like throughout the years as a design career, I think I'm started feeling like I'm just trying to put the makeup on the pig, basically. It just, those ugly things that we talk we describe today as a system, basically. Evaluations, uh, organization structures, cultures, or things like that. Yeah. yeah, onboarding too. Everything pretty much. As long as I don't fix those, I probably not going to enjoy designing UI anymore. That's how I feel in the past five to ten years. So yeah, it's a tough question, but I, I think we have to be a little bit more have an empathy on people behind it, yeah, behind the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a a great um, episode. Very intangible and trying to describe Mm. that. And the bottom line is design is intangible. It's You don't feel. It's it's like how you would feel without knowing that it's been intentionally made for you to feel that way. So, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything we didn't touch on you wanted to discuss?
0: If you're a designer, I think just making pretty... Good looking design prop. It's not really a great path to pursue in near future. I think, like even Adobe is trying to push like Adobe Sensei and just some automations, and that's probably integrating into uh, marketing tools. So like a lot of designs to be automated, and it's like for example like Netflix. You know th- those banners you see on Netflix, are, they are pretty much automated by this time around. So there's not much space to do some like mundane design work in near future. It's just everything can be done in machines. So I think like designers has to ask tough questions, difficult questions and tackle on those. I think those are something we human has to do, I think. AI's AI or some machine learning they're very very good at some mundane repeating jobs. And I think design work is, you know, making banners probably, it's not really a difficult problem to solve. I think it's going to be very boring problem to solve in near future. So I think we have to ask about tougher questions and maybe then we have to ask, like, what can I do as a designers? And I think if you use stuck on particular design tools to give values, I don't see the future on that. I think we have to ask why then maybe you can pick and choose the all that you need to achieve that goal.
1: So it's kind of advice for, or your views on the future of design is that either you can pair your design knowledge with some specific skill like AI or something, something else you like, a blockchain, whatever, any of these Mm. buzzwords or technology, let's put it that way, advanced high-end technology, or maybe the trend is going towards specialization, in that way mm, right that, is that, that, that could happen too to,
0: mm. yeah specializations and also trying to like tackle on um, tougher system i guess i think making banners or even making websites is not really a complex problem to solve
1: yeah that, like tools they, today,
0: they, but- right now it's still a difficult problem to solve but i think like people who are 30 or younger you got at least like 50 years to live so yeah. i think like or more 40, 50, 50 years. Yeah. yeah yeah even yeah more so if you think about that, websites probably shouldn't be a no problem, really. It's just there
1: <laughs> without yeah. thinking. The opportunities in the emerging countries to design systems or cities or just to give access that's right. for yeah. a more sustainable future, this is also... Yeah, um,
0: that, that's the dip- more difficult yeah. problem to solve and it's more complex. Like, you know, right now I'm working on organizations and trying to solve their problem, but it's just one company but I'm taking multiple years and let's think about like cities and societies and countries and, you know, like on this earth or something like that, that's mind boggling, but it's difficult questions, like super difficult questions and super complex problem. But I think like design people, like especially in the younger generations, like it has capacity or knowledge or skills to solve those problems. I think a lot more people has to involve those difficult questions and difficult problems. I'll just stick with the small organizations. <laughs> I think everyone else can do a lot more difficult questions, problems.
1: Yeah, the new generation you're hinting at right now. Okay. And if someone wants to find you, where are you active on social media?
0: I'll be in Twitter, Instagram, and also Facebook. And my handle will be Y-H-A-S-S-Y. All the social media is basically if the yeah, same ID. So Just choose your favorite and contact me.
1: Thank you so much for that, for being on Gut Talks.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, thank you for inviting me.
1: This is the end of this episode with Yasu all the way from Japan. We talked about design in Japan and beyond the responsibility of designers, cultural change at organizational level, being an in-house designer, and much more. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.